Welcome to The Sauce, a St. Louis restaurant podcast. I'm Mira Nagarajan. I'm Michelle Volansky. Welcome to this week's episode. This week, I wanted to briefly mention The Biscuit Joint. It's a new spot in Midtown from chef and owner Elliot Brown. He used to be at Taste before Taste closed in the Central West End from Niche Food Group. And they're doing biscuits. They're doing biscuits and gravy. And we tried a few things. We tried their biscuits with mushroom gravy, which was vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really savory and salty and had a really good, thick, luscious texture. It didn't feel like veggie sauce. You know, Mm -hmm. it felt like a gravy, actually. Yeah, we're excited to see multiple gravies. Yeah. I love biscuits and gravy. I want them all. There was a chicken gravy. Yeah. And then a classic house, probably, uh, you know, a savory um, sage. Yeah. And sausage gravy. That's right. The chicken one was really good. I think that it had just a lot of good character to it. Mm -hmm. I think there was like a little bit of spice. It was really like melty, beautiful chicken taste to it. And that's what you want. The biscuits were really tall, fluffy, and layered. It's prime for gravy dunking. Mm -hmm. That's the biscuit joint in Midtown. They're at 2649 Washington Avenue. Just uh, go check it out. Exciting news. Very exciting. We just tried Telva at the Ridge. So long-awaited. Yes, it's here. Opened on Wednesday, January 10th. And we tried a lot of stuff. Let's talk about it. Yeah, we did. this. So this is the kind of second restaurant location for Lauren and Ed O'Nolik, the family behind Balkan Treat Box, which is obviously a super beloved place here locally. They started out as a food truck in 2016. And they've really been making waves ever since, making like very unique perspective Bosnian food. That's where Edo Nalik is from. Yes. And just introducing a cuisine to St. Louis that obviously there's a lot of cultural roots here. We have historically like a really thriving Bosnian population in St. Louis, but nobody was really giving that cuisine that sort of elevated justice it deserves. They cook everything in that beautiful um, wood burning oven. And the breads are all so delicious. Lauren has a background in pastry, so she brings that expertise. Yeah, the Somun bread, all of it's the P-Days. Yes. We're all obsessed. Yes. At Balkan, actually, one of our favorite things to get is their P-Day, which is their Mm -hmm. Turkish flatbreads. And they have some of their flavors that they have all the time. And then I always like to venture into the veggie special of the moment. But yeah, just echoing Michelle, like, Balkan Treat Box has been such a hit. So we were loving to see how they've expanded. It's definitely a full-on family affair situation now because it's Lauren and Ido, like you mentioned, but also Amir, Ido's brother, and then Amir's wife, Erna. They're all all in the family. So Amir is running their wood fire coffee program, and they're making the coffee in these little copper pots. So they are basically boiling the coffee grounds. It makes for a really strong brew. And it does have like a nuttier, roastier Mm -hmm. flavor to it. We tried one of the versions. They have several different flavors that you can add to uh, your coffee. And we tried a coconut chocolate version. Mm -hmm. That was really delicious. It was. And 
We also got a couple of the pastry options that they had available. I think they're going to rotate at some point, but we tried their baklava, which we went completely insane for. Yeah. It was very generously filled with roasted nuts. It had this flaky pastry on the top and the bottom, that honey-soaked characteristic of baklava. That's what you're used to, but it also had a salty finish somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a great salty sweet balance. And the texture is just perfect. It's as moist as you want, crumbly, full of nuts, that flaky pastry dough. It was so good. So good. I don't know how many times I said, oh my God, during that lunch, but so many times. It was so good. It started there. And I immediately started thinking like at family functions, if I were to bring a tray (laughs) of this baklava, I know people would be like, what is this? Where did it come from? Who is responsible? They want to know. Yeah, we just got a square of it, but they also on the menu have a kind of baklava um, yogurt parfait. Yes. So you can get it like layered with yogurt. And that's on the top of my must try list for next time now that I'm aware of that. Yeah. Because they know what they're doing when it comes to yogurt, especially because we tried their chilber, which is this Turkish style egg dish that they're doing. It's this garlicky yogurt base, gently cooked eggs. I thought it was going to be poached, but it was like a gently cooked Mm -hmm. sunny side up eggs. And then this roasty tomato brown butter sauce on top and fresh herbs. Oh, my gosh. It reminded us a little bit of a shakshuka, that kind of dish where it's a bowl of eggs. But a shakshuka is a little more acidic. And this was it's so creamy and rich because of the yogurt. Yeah. And more savory. They serve with a grilled piece of bread. So you just scoop it all up. Fresh herbs on top. I love that. Back to pastry. I hate to flip flop. But one of the other things that we tried was the sesame coconut cookie. It was so lacy and crispy and it was nutty and Maybe a little bit of that orange blossom floral Mm -hmm. note in it, too. But with the coffee, it was just a dream combination. Yeah, a really crunchy cookie. I always say that that one of my favorite kinds of cookies is a really crisp like wafer that almost feels like a chip. Yeah. Cookie chip. I love that. And that one, it was packed with so much flavor. Yeah, because it was crispy, but it was delicate at the same Mm -hmm. time. It wasn't this like honking kettle chip crunch kind of situation. Not dry, doesn't hurt your teeth, but just crisp and addictive. We all loved it. Yeah. Another big hit was their breakfast sandwich, which comes on their somum bread. This really kind of almost like a egg patty type Mm -hmm. of like scrambled egg patty that was super light and then cheese and their sausage that they're doing there that was insanely good yeah the sausage it feels like the donor sausage you could tell it is a little different i'm sure it's a more unique sausage blend yeah but that's the kind of vibe Ugh, that was my favorite dish it was so good there's also a mystery sauce on there that i think we were talking about yeah, it was a yellow some, mystery sauce yeah it's probably some kind of aioli an herby aioli kind of vibe it was like soaked into the bread a little bit mm-hmm. so it wasn't super saucy the most moisture was from the gooey melted cheese mm-hmm. like holding it all together it was so good. The whole thing had a really nice, biteable texture. Mm-hmm. They all had like the same amongst the different ingredients that made up the sandwich. Mm-hmm. So it was perfectly constructed. Yeah. And if you go to Bulk and Treat Box, you might be thinking like their Somun's sandwich and their donor sandwiches there are huge. They're like a really big portion. Yes. But the breakfast sandwich, it is a perfect breakfast sandwich. It is the kind of the size of like an egg McMuffin kind of thing. It's perfect handheld. Could just grab it, get a coffee and go. I was yeah. immediately in love with that sandwich knowing that yeah. I'm going to spend many a weekend popping in there to get one. Yeah, drivable, walkable, yes. one-handed, totally. We also tried their 
tikva salad, which was today, I think it was kale, but it's going to be some kind of dark green, roasted squash, citrus. There were charred dates in it, radish. There was an orange blossom vinaigrette. I actually thought it was a really interesting salad. It's kind of a flavor bomb. Mm-hmm. Very floral. Yeah. Very, sweet. Yes, because of the citrus, there's like chunks of orange in there. And so I thought that was a really good shareable salad. I probably wouldn't go for it full on as my meal, especially when there's a breakfast sandwich beckoning. (laughs) Yeah, it's the perfect kind of light, refreshing, sweet contrast to some of the heavier savory bombs. Yeah, on the side for sure. And then the actual star of the whole thing that made us really excited to order was the kanafe. I love kanafe. So gorgeous. If you've never had kanafe, it's well, the version that they're doing, it's like a gooey melty cheese, like a pullable cheese, not like a a non-melting cheese, like a hard Cypriot cheese. But this one was like a gooey melty cheese. And then on the outside, they put toasted shredded pastry on the outside, encasing the whole thing. And it's served warm with a sweet syrup topping and chopped pistachios and rose petals, dried rose petals. Yeah, it feels it's like baklava adjacent kind of thing. It's like what if baklava was crispier and full of cheese? Yeah, like a baklava grilled cheese. Yes, yes, it is a baklava grilled cheese. And yeah, that it's as good as that sounds. Yeah. So you, you're going to need to go get that. You know, some people, when they get a grilled cheese, they like to dip it in a sweet thing mm-hmm. just to have that sweet, salty thing going on. Mm-hmm. That's an just impeccable flavor combination. Mm-hmm. No one can resist. So it's doing that. And it is kind of an elegant presentation mm-hmm. with all the little accoutrement that go on top. Even in the to-go box, I noticed the baklava and the kanafe were so elegantly presented. It's clear they're taking such care with every element of the menu down to the takeout. Yeah. And speaking of that, the we also tried the avocado toast. And that is like a work of art on top. It's It almost feels less of an avocado toast and more of like a vegetable toast because it is so loaded with so many different things. It's that creamy avocado base on a piece of grilled bread. But there's olives. There's tons of herbs. There's um, tomatoes. There's cucumber. They're roasted tomatoes, too. So they're kind of saucy and really salty, savory. And so it's almost like each bite is an emphasis on a new flavor. Sometimes you're going to get a really pickly olive flavor. And sometimes it's really fresh and herby. And then sometimes you get mint and then you're getting this other herb. It's it's really great brunch experience. Every bite. And I also really appreciated the quality of the bread. I think so many times when you talk about an avocado toast at a restaurant, Mm -hmm. it's just a forgettable piece of toasted bread, smashed avocado, a little bit of salt. It's good. It gets the job done. But this is another level. So it's really just a joy. Mm -hmm. Everything we had, we really, really enjoyed it's going to be such a hit. I hope everybody gets a chance to try it really soon. Where else would you rather eat a beautiful like garden view? Give me a garden. Yeah. It's I want to be seated in a magical secret garden. Okay, so in our January issue, every January we focus on ones to watch, which is a big feature we do where we're profiling up and coming rising stars in the restaurant industry, in the food and beverage space that we think are going to do exciting things that will impact our readership, you know, whether they're getting ready to open a restaurant one day or if they're going to open up their own food business one day. We want to just give them a little bit of a highlight so that they get the attention that they deserve because we think that they're going to do something really interesting. We profiled four people this year, so we're just going to briefly talk about each of them. They're all doing something really great. We have 
three bartenders on the list. Mm -hmm. In true 2024 fashion, if you've been listening to the podcast, we keep going back to bars. Like bars are what's really opening right now, where people are really excited to go back to, I think, in a, uh, you know, after a world after COVID. I don't say post because we are still in it, but you know. (laughs) But up first, we're going to talk about Flynn Edgerton. He is the wholesale production manager at Sump Coffee in South City, and he's launched this chocolate program at Sump, and I think it's really exciting. If you've ever been to Sump Coffee in South City, third wave coffee shop, they're very careful about sourcing. They really get into the nitty gritty details of the proper way to brew a certain bean. What's the best expression of that bean is, and you know, they're just careful about all of those details. So when Flynn came to Sump, I think Scott Carey, who's the owner at Sump, was really excited because he finally found a person that was similarly detail-oriented and had an expertise in chocolate. Flynn used to be the head chocolate maker at local chocolatier Honeymoon Chocolates. And then before that, he trained in the apprenticeship program at Dandelion Chocolate, which is based out of San Francisco. And Scott described that the minute he read Flynn's resume, he knew he could be the key to finally producing a bean-to-bar chocolate at Sump. And I got a chance to try the chocolate at a couple different stages in their experimentation process. And it was really good the first time I tried it. It was kind of, it's kind of got a snappy texture to it. Mm. It's not like a soft, gooey kind of chocolate. Some coffee, a lot of their coffee has really interesting notes in it of different fruity flavors. You might taste apple or blueberry, just these notes of like fruit that is in that bean. And similarly with the chocolate bar, you can taste like different like toffee or red fruit or something in there that adds a little bit more character to the chocolate because of the way that Flynn is sourcing it and roasting it and um, making the chocolate. So the last chocolate bar that I tried from Sump was just a few short months after I tried the first one and already I felt such a big improvement. Mm. So I think it's really exciting. So if you are into chocolate and into coffee, check out the Sump chocolate bars from Flynn in South City. Yeah, that's interesting to think how closely those businesses could be related, you know, ethically sourcing and trying to find the best beans for coffee or just shifting to another bean. Yeah. So (laughs) it's working for them. Mastering a new one. Yeah. Up next is Randy Kranz, who operates the Paper Crane Pop-Up, which is a cocktail pop-up. And they also have a food component that's run by her collaborator and, you know, partner in crime, Tyler Boblitz. And you could also find Randy making cocktails at the Vandy in the Grove. Yeah, another uh, go-to new staple in the Grove that's looking to really make elevated, interesting cocktails. It's from the team that were making cocktails for STL Barkeep, yes. which were popping up a lot, especially around like 2020. They were doing a lot of outdoor events and uh, things like that. I think what's really cool about the pop-up thing in general is that it's like it's such a great way to see what people are doing that don't yet have a space or a restaurant or a bar of their own and you get to see them express their creative ideas without too many rules because of the business model and I was thrilled to learn that jello shots are 
Paper Crane's signature cocktail. Yeah. She has kind of an unconventional working process for a bartender. It's what much of her um, piece is about, like people who work with her saying they're always really impressed by the instinct she brings to like the creative process of building cocktails. And she brings that to a jello shot, world, which we love. We love something lowbrow being made interesting and upscale. Yeah. Uh, there's an amazing video on her Instagram of her making little cheeseburger jello shots. She made every layer of this cheeseburger in jello form. And I'm sure it had a cocktail component in each layer. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's pressing like a pattern into the lettuce jello, and there's a little cheese slice so jello and a bun. Ian Shaw, who wrote the piece, also described a jello shot that won her a prize. It was a gin jello shot with an oolong tea sidecar. So, really creative. Her education is in art. And I think that also we first learned about her because I think she competed and won a cocktail competition at Yellow Belly. And, you know, you've been to Yellow Belly, you know that their cocktails are very, very refined and elevated and interesting. And so for her to be on that kind of a stage in a competition with people who really admire that kind of cocktail and for her to win says a lot about her. So we're excited to see what she does next. Yeah. And what's great about her is she's not only coming at at it from this artsy, creative background, but she also kind of came up learning to be a bartender at Mission Taco Joint, the Central West End location. And we've kind of seen a lot of bartenders recently really kind of were cutting their teeth there. They've always had a great bar program at Mission. Underrated, I think. And, you know, bartenders, it's a fast experience. You really learn a lot. And um, they always are kind of onward and upward to better think she's already making moves with paper cranes. So I feel like she'll continue to be doing interesting things worth watching. Up next is Fiona Gemzon. She is the bar manager at the newly opened None of the Above Speakeasy concept that is in the City Foundry complex. Mm-hmm. And it's from the Niche Food Group. The bar is gorgeous. The cocktail menu, especially the house cocktail menu, I think is really unique. And we love getting to know her through her drink menu. She gave a quote in her story that says, it's given me a lens of tasting. A lot of the food there has high acid with the sweet and the sour. A lot of my cocktails have a tendency to lean that way. And I certainly felt that in the downpour, which we both had when Mm -hmm. we went, very, very citrusy, Mm -hmm. very sour, but somehow like layered in a way that made sense, especially after reading about that. And then... We tried a few cocktails at the soft opening, and then after that, I think I I got a chance to go where I tried a cocktail called the Desert Flower with Armagnac, a combination of Acara and Sotol, which are both agave spirits, pineapple, and then a biryani tincture, while biryani spices Indian. I feel like Southeast Asian, mm-hmm. Asian, South Asian flavors are a big influence. Very fun. Um, you tried that page 28 cocktail with the smoke bubble. Yeah, the page 28 is my favorite cocktail on the menu. It is the most theatrical because it does come with that smoke bubble, but it's a really balanced, delicious drink. It's a combination of rye, amari, tobacco bitters. It's a great winter cocktail. It has that smoky flavor, but it's still sort of sweet. Yeah, sweet smoky. Mm-hmm. I thought my favorite, it still remains in the mood for love, which we've talked about on a previous episode, but the main note in there was black sesame, but there was also some allspice, some cumin, some coriander, so really like spice forward. Mm -hmm. Surprising savory notes. Yeah, so that's Fiona Gemzon at None of the Above. 
in the City Foundry Complex, and they don't take reservations at the moment, but you can get on the wait list by queuing up around five o'clock right when they open and get a seat and check it out. Finally on our list is Trevor Johnson, Wright Tavern's bar manager. He is responsible for the beautiful cocktail list and our most beloved martini in the car. Yeah, our beloved Wright's Tavern martini. He's the man behind it. It is so nice because I love the cocktail list at Wright's. I'll just read a few. It's a martini in the car with Ford's Gin, Dolan Dry. There's a vermouth. There's orange bitters. They're Manhattan. It's got rye whiskey, coffee sweet vermouth. There's some liqueur in there, bitters. There's champagne smash with gin, lillet blanc, lemon, mint, and champagne. They have a Paloma, their house Paloma. It's got tequila, Aperol, Cointreau, lime grapefruit soda. It's classic cocktails that you know with little tweaks and twists that make it a little bit fresh and different and more suited for their menu. And they're all so beautifully made. It's not meant to have a dramatic effect or have something that you've never seen or heard of before, but it's just in the same way that the menu aims to bring you something that you love and make it the best version of that that they possibly can, the cocktail list aims to do the same. Yes, he cares about the details and just making sure he's picking the right version of everything. Yeah. So he used to work the bar at the Missouri Athletic Club. He used to do some prep work at Louie. He was in Nashville working at a place called Adele's and then was at Parker's Table for a time. And he was also part of the team, I believe, that helped to open Sippy, the natural wine bar off of Cherokee Mm -hmm. that we also love. And he's super personable. I feel like if you've ever gotten the chance to sit at the bar at Wright's Tavern, he's usually there making drinks. I think part of being a great bartender is also being a great listener, saying just enough, because most of the time people just like have their issues and they want to talk to you. It's true. And we had, again, I've I've mentioned this meal before, but I took my difficult older parents there and my dad was like this is the best martini I've ever had in my life he's been drinking martinis for 60 years and he like demanded the recipe and they presented him with a very sweet handwritten note like breaking down all the ingredients in the cocktail and we tried to make them for Christmas and listen our our preparation pales in comparison to Trevor's yeah he's a professional for a reason he's a His pro. just hit different but he's so nice he's so nice very charming and makes a great drink and I think that list is just perfect. Yeah. One of the key things for researching ones to watch is we will talk to industry people about, you know, like, who do you love? Who are you seeing promise in? And it's we gravitate towards these people who, again, feel like they have an independent spirit. Like we're going to see something of their own that they want to make, not just like a strong, great employee, but just somebody who has that drive to make something new. Yeah. I also think another thing about uh, to build off of that is There is this level of fatigue that sets in, I would Mm -hmm. think, because the restaurant business is a tough business. And uh, Scott Carey mentioned this, especially about Flynn, but I think this extends to everybody on the list where it's like all these people here really seem to be committed to like making this, this is their career choice. Mm -hmm. And there is this, I guess, pleasure in the daily grind of doing that job. Mm -hmm. And it's... um, 
that's a hard thing to find. Yeah, there's no wonderkins on this list. You know, I feel like this is maybe the oldest average class of ones to watch ever. So these are all people who have been, you know, cutting their teeth and working their way up and just really like loving and thriving in the industry. There's no like bright young 22 year old who's just started wowing us here. Like these are all professionals. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Links and location information to all the restaurants mentioned in this episode can be found in our show notes. Our audio engineer is Alejandro Ramirez. Additional reporting for this episode was done by Ian Shaw, Michelle Volansky, and Lauren Healy. Episodes of The Sauce are recorded at the St. Louis Public Library's Creative Experience Studio. Find new episodes of The Sauce every Wednesday and listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.